Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about life, culture, and politics in Israel. Good afternoon to our favorite listeners out there. We are here this afternoon with a very interesting topic. I thought you were going to say favorite presenters. Maybe. You'd have to ask the listeners if you're their favorite presenters or not. But this afternoon, we're going to be discussing the question of, does Israel need America? And that is an interesting question. There are obviously different semantics and different framings for that, which our two panelists this afternoon will give us. Our first panelist that will speak shortly is Kalev. Good afternoon, Kalev. Good afternoon, Matthew. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Kalev? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Excellent. And our other panelists this afternoon, our honoured panelist is Michael Unterberg. Ooh, honoured. Uh, hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. So the question- We haven't just been sitting in this room doing free, multiple episodes. These are, as you hear them, these are basically live. Yep, and you don't this hear any fatigue in our voices yeah. or anything like that. So. We're not, we're not schwitzing buckets. No. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> Nothing. Fre- no. Fresh as the morning dew. In all honesty, never, I, I will never complain about Ben's studio. It's a cool place to, to hang out and work. So the question becomes, as I said at the beginning, does Israel need America? So some of the different areas that will be discussed this afternoon, we're going to be talking about military aid. We're going to be talking about support in the United Nations. We're going to be talking about other foreign policy issues that come up as a result of America's relationship with Israel. And I think it's fair to say that Israel has received a huge amount of benefit from the United States over the last couple of decades. The question that we'll be addressing this afternoon is, well, what would Israel look like without that benefit, without that aid? And Kalev, we will start with you. Thank you, Matthew. So I think what we thought would be helpful is to is to have a short opening comments specifically about the issue of military aid, because there is a debate in Israel. I think Israel gets $3.8 billion mm-hmm. uh, dollars, uh, a year for, for kind of every year for 10 years. And, since uh, the Obama administration. Since the Obama administration. From 3 to 3.8. I was like, Trump didn't do the most amazing, uh, most significant deal well, ever, ever, ever. Well, look, there's always things beyond the 3.8. There's like special side things. And the Trump administration was the very Iron good Dome at that. The Iron Dome is also separate, is that? I think is it's separate. Correct? So there's yes, things beyond the exactly. 3.8. And the Trump administration was certainly involved in those. So, But there, but there is there is a, 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 a live debate in Israel, which Mike and I are going to try and reflect now, specifically about military aid. Does Israel need the military aid? I'm going to argue that it does. Mike's going to argue that it doesn't. And then there's a larger debate about Israeli relationship to to America in general. So uh, as we said, Israel gets uh, $3.8 billion a year uh, for 10 years. And I'm going to argue that that aid is, is super important for Israel. I think it's important practically that it helps to strengthen the IDF, that it gives the army exposure and access to kind of the, the latest and greatest military things like the F-35s, for example. Uh, It's part of America's commitment to QME, a qualitative military edge. So it has practical aspects. It also means, I mean, earlier we were talking about kind of Israel's budget and all of that craziness, but it also helps Mm -hmm. um, us not have to spend money that we could be giving, I don't know, to other minority tribes who want it uh, who, who knows uh, and it's, it, we, we can focus on them rather than focusing on the army but I also think there's there's a, a kind of a psychological or, or uh, I'm not even sure what the best best word aspect is which is that the rest of the world including our enemies know that America stand very firmly 
behind Israel, that Israel has a cutting, I mean, we have a cutting edge military anyway, mm -hmm. but everyone knows that America is deeply committed to Israel and our military edge. And if there's a war, they're going to re they're going to restock, um, and that we have you know access to uh, the most sophisticated things, and that is also a very powerful message that helps Israel's national national security and helps Israel's deterrence power. I mean, deterrence is ultimately it's partly practical and it's partly a perception. Mm -hmm. And if we did not have that military uh, aid, we may still have a, a QME. And we would still have a strong idea. You know, it's not as if the IDF is going to collapse. But what we get from that, from that very public relationship to America is vital. Okay. Thank you, Kyle, for providing a compelling argument for us. Mike, would you like to respond? Yeah, I mean, I'll stipulate to just about everything that Kalev said. I think that's all entirely true. But as I understood the framing, does Israel need America. I think that America, I, I, I think that, that to deny anything Kalev said would be at best, I don't know, churlish and at worst ungrateful. And, and I think we should be very grateful to our ally, but I also think we shouldn't be silly and think that America's doing it because they like us. I think, I think there's a reciprocal relationship here. That's what allies nations are, that each nation is acting in what they perceive to be their best interest. And one of the things that has always been in Israel's self-interest explicitly since the beginning of Zionism, since before there was a state, was that the Jewish people have to be independent of anyone. In other words, we can't need anyone. We can't rely on anyone. We can be allies with whoever's willing to help us in our endeavor for their own self-interest, and we appreciate that allyship and value it uh, to the core of who we are. Need has to be the wrong word, and and historically it's not true. You know, we we think of how things developed as inevitable, but they weren't. Remember that you know, for a hot minute after the forming of the state, there was the idea that Israel would be a Soviet satellite, and the Arabs would be under sort of Western Israel as a socialist-led state. You know, and and the, and the Soviet Union voted to recognize the you know vote for the partition plan that there should be a Jewish state because maybe they would have a Middle Eastern. So that was our allyship to the West wasn't inevitable at the birth of the state. Remember that in 1967, Israel appealed to the United States to help us when we were surrounded by enemies that were going to invade, and America said no. It's 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 the French for the first twenty years who who were Israel's main. The victory ally. in the Six Day War, which is uh, inarguably a victory, we did on the ground have some American weaponry that we adapted often using French parts. But our air force, which ended the Six Day War in the first three hours by eliminating all competition, it was French Mirage jets versus uh, Soviet MiGs, and it was French weaponry that that basically we used to win the Six Day War. Afterwards, to prevent a new front entering into the Cold War when the Soviets threatened to get involved. The United States moved the fleet a little bit closer to push back against the Soviets. But uh, it's not till really after the Yom Kippur War, which America advised us to get invaded over, that in sort of to apologize for that, they rushed us weapons to to push back the Egyptians and the Syrians. So, so you know, this eternal relationship between Israel and America is an illusion created by decades of a stable, very close partnership, which is real. I'm not, I don't, again, I, I, I don't mean to undermine it or, but Israel has to, for its self-definition, not be dependent on anybody, including the United States. And it would take a very big hit. And what would it mean if to resupply? Look, we have decided, Israel, for strategic reasons, that our armored core is made here in Israel. We buy parts 
from Europe for the engines. But the actual Merkava tank system, which is talk about cutting edge of military technology, it's you know it's the envy of the world, is Israeli. And there were plans to do the same with our Air Force, to Israelify the Air Force. And for whatever strategic budgetary reasons, we're reliant on American purchases from America for our air power now. But that's a strategic decision that can be revisited. The, 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 the way things are isn't the way, the way things need to be. I'm not advocating that Israel turn on its ally in any way. I'm not advocating that we turn down... By the way, I mean, the, think about those $3.8 billion go into the American economy when Israel buys those weapons from American companies who make them. The American government doesn't make those planes. I think Boeing makes the F... 35s. So so that money goes into um, American economy for American workers. So so again, we're not arguing if Israel benefits from America. It does. We're not arguing if it should benefit from America. I think it should. We're arguing if Israel needs America. It doesn't and it can't. Okay. Thank you, uh, Mike, for providing that. Uh, Lockheed Martin. Sorry. Thanks, Ben. Uh, It's Lockheed Martin who makes the uh, F-35. Thank you, producer producer, editor, Ben. Instant fact check. Okay. So thank you guys for providing that first part of the conversation, which was revolving around whether military aid was essential to Israel's defense, security, military victories even. Mm -hmm. And Mike, contextualize that a little bit with us with the Six-Day War, etc. Okay. So now we want to open up the the conversation a little wider than um, just military, but in other ways... Kalev's going to explain why he thinks that the relationship with America is essential beyond the military um, scope, and then Mike will respond. So again, we talked earlier, we don't want to split hairs, you know, Mm -hmm. dependent, necessary, etc. What I found really interesting about what you said, Mike, is you, you were kind of talking about early Zionism and about this idea that we need to be able to stand Mm. alone. And I do think that was an integral component of statehood mm-hmm. now the jews do not need to be reliant on anyone mm-hmm. and one of the main proponents of that is is obviously ben gurion but another component of ben gurion's national security doctrine is that we need to be allied with a superpower so initially that is I mean, uh, was France ever a superpower? Who knows? But initially, that was The French France. thought they were a superpower. <clears throat> they were the not. French can probably continue to think they're a superpower. But uh, <laughs> it was the French, it was the British, and then it was the Americans. But but that was, that was one central rung of the national security doctrine. So then the question is, and maybe this is even part of our discussion, what is, what is the balance between knowing that when push comes to shove, ultimately, ultimately... We can only rely on ourselves, which I would, I actually do believe, and we might, we might well agree on that. And it is super helpful slash more or less essential that we have a strong superpower ally in for our diplomacy, for our defence, for, for all of those things, and and the kind of the mixture between those two things. I, I, I'll just, I'll add a couple of other points. I think diplomatically in terms of Israel's uh, diplomatic isolation or absence of it. Without the UN, we would be in a much worse place. We rely on, we rely on the US often to, to veto Security Council resolutions. But even without that, again, this kind of goes back to, 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 to image and, and deterrence. The fact that Israel is considered to be such a close ally of the US helps in a variety of diplomatic ways. We talked about the military 
stuff as well already. I'll just add, and this I guess even potentially strengthens your point, Mike, but Yaakov Amidraw, who is a, a very serious and well-respected former National Security Council head, wrote a piece saying Israel needs to be prepared to attack Iran on its own. But that also links into a few things because, yes, we need to be prepared to do it, but it is obviously much, much easier if the Americans are involved or if the Americans give us bunker busting bombs or, or, or whatever they are. So we kind of, we have this dual play. Ultimately, we have to be prepared to do things on our own, mm-hmm. but there's no hiding the fact that without America, everything would be much, much harder. I mean, I'm even thinking about uh, kind of in the olden days, the, the economic aid, I actually think military aid was once partially military and also part economic. And then over the years, mm-hmm. it evolved to be solely military. Without the US at the end of the day, or any superpower, and ultimately they kind of are really the only superpower, we would be in a much, much worse state. Even if China and Russia were interested in being such close allies, what we get from them is is would be incommensurate with what we get from the US. There's potentially a, a different debate over whether that relationship with the US is eroding or fraying, if it's you know based on shared interests and shared values, and if those interests are changing, and if the values are also potentially changing, what does that do to the relationship? But ultimately, without the US, we would be in a much would we would we disappear? No. Would we get invaded? Probably not. But we would be in a significantly weaker state if we did not have the close relationship that we currently do with the US. Yeah, again, I mean, there's nothing, you're, you're, you're presenting the reality as it is, and that can't be argued with. The, the only thing you can say is, without that reality, Israel would have to shift modes. It would have to, first of all, arguing about superpower reliance in a Cold War world, like the 1950s, is very different than in 2023, where it's almost certainly not a superpower world anymore. It's a it's a multipolar world, and so Israel is playing is, is you know to to incorrectly use a an old Yiddishism. Israel's dancing at multiple weddings with one toches. Like where where we are courting the Chinese, who could be providing us, and 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 is is absolutely you have major global powers like the United States and China, and Israel could switch its interest to China. I don't want it to. But everything that the United States provides, including veto at the Security Council, could be replaced by China in a in a changing international dynamic. And so I certainly won't argue with you that all those things, Israel derives tremendous benefit from the United States. I also would not argue with anyone who, are, who, who said that America derives enormous political intelligence, economic, and military benefit from Israel. It's it's absolutely mutual. I don't believe it's on values. I think that's a political rhetorical tool that has value in both countries when we talk about our shared values. I, I, I think that's good narrative. I don't think it's real. I don't think that's why America invests so heavily in Israel. I think it's absolutely self-interest. And, and I think that's identifiable every time those self-interests clash. I don't think, you know, Israelis are always talking about, oh, our politicians are bowing to America. I don't think they are. I think American demands on Israel's West Bank policy have never truly been met for any reasonable period of time, any extended period of time. Israel does not follow its advice from Democratic or Republican 
administrations and does what it thinks it needs to, be, where it thinks its self-interest diverges. And so I'm not going to argue, you know, everything you're saying is obviously true. Uh, you, this second round, you, you've given a lot of military examples, and, and this maybe goes to your side. I think that if we switched allegiance from global power America to global power China, it would absolutely erode our relationship to European nations. I don't know if... if Is that not down to values though, Mike? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. That's what I was thinking as well. Of course, it would be if we're allying with a country whose values we don't share, because for some reason, our support in America dried up or America decided it wasn't in its interest. You would have so many things shifting. As in, I think... I. You know, it's always kind of dangerous to get into American domestic, or maybe not, maybe it's actually just interesting. But I do feel that someone like Biden has a a feeling towards Israel. Absolutely. Now, by the way, you, you could say Biden's terrible. He's this. It's it's a left-right thing, okay? But no, Biden, Obama was the rare president who didn't have strong He didn't have Israel in his Israel. kishkas. Yeah. Yes. And well, I'd say Trump is also kind of sui generis in in that sort of thing as well. Well, his administration, he set up for his Israel policy people who cared very deeply yes, about exactly. Israel. Yes, exactly. So his is, administration was more typical. China, or even even Russia when it was when it when it was Soviet, it's it's not it's not the same. It is not a pure. It would interest. change. It would it's change a, a pure, million no, things. No, but it's not a pure interest based. China is pure interest based. Mm-hmm. I do not think America is pure interest based when it comes to Israel. I think there's something else. I think there's there's kishkas there. There is kishkas, but I want to say I think there's also another factor that we haven't spoken about yet, is that there is a Jewish community in America, without wishing to get into like the whole Jewish lobby thing. But we there's APAC and there's other yeah, organizations. That, well, uh, that's negligible. They're going to support the Democrat no matter what. But the organizations where the Jewish uh, vote does have an impact on Israel policy. That's evangelical Christian money. That's uh, 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 I'm not just talking the money. The Jewish vote is going to go to the Democrats. Maybe, maybe not. But that's no, be, well, that's no because maybe. that's because you know to channel my inner Trump, they're, they're self-hating Jews, and, <laughs> and, and that's what Trump. That's what Trump says. Yes, no, I, I know. know. That's why I'm saying it because but, they say you don't like. But what they it, don't. But they. But the the overwhelming majority of American Jews support yes, the state of, of Israel and America's positive support of Israel, and vote Democrat because the mainstream Democratic Party still stands up very strongly and supports Israel. That's the reality. I mean, that's not. Fine. You can argue. I think I like what the Republicans do better. Yeah, but, I and think I what Matthew's saying, either, either no I think it's what he's saying, Chinese or, I'm, or, right, or I'm putting words into his mouth. Like yeah. it's not, it's it's not a, it's 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 irreplaceable. That's the evangelical Christian vote. Okay, but, but just, that's still irreplaceable. And Republicans use that in America. That's a switched conversation. It, how is Israel used in American politics? How much of that is good for Israel? How much is bad for saying Israel? America could that's be, a different America debate. could be replaced by. Yeah another country yeah. and it wouldn't significantly make things worse and and something that Matthew's pointing out is there's that even if it's not the Jews it is the evangelical Christians there's something in America that other countries cannot provide what 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 I think Matthew ultimately is pointing out is that this is an academic conversation because in for for the foreseeable future you cannot be a serious national politician in the United States and not openly forcefully support Israel because American politics lean towards towards support of Israel. The idea that that's, again, 
always going to be true in America, I think is a mistake to sure. assume that our dependence on the evangelical Christian vote, as if that block will always stay in lockstep, whatever the state of Israel does. People who do not understand what Israel is, when I speak to evangelical Christians here, they're like, wow, this place is very different than I thought it would be. They're supporting this idea for, for various religious conceptions. Whether that's inevitably going to be true for the foreseeable future. I, I don't assume it is. Everything, again, what you guys keep doing is you keep describing reality. I am not denying reality. The, the academic question, the hypothetical is, if that reality changed, would it be the end of Israel or significantly close to the end of Israel? I am arguing, no, we'd pivot and find other ways. Would that be a painful process? I mean, probably anytime you have to make a big change, we'll, we'll deal with it. The As far as I understand the debate, the topic of the debate isn't, is it a reality that Israel depends a great deal on the United States? Again, I, I think it would be insane to argue otherwise. I don't think the point of the debate, does American... Is there any other country that could provide Israel with the current benefits it gets other than the U.S.? In, even in of course a, even not. in an imagined future, and I would say the answer is the answer is no. Of course not. You would be trading different pluses we, and minuses with we, a different ally. Would we collapse? No, we wouldn't collapse. No, but there would be pluses as well as minuses. In other words, it's not like allying with China would bring horrible negativity and just a bunch of weapons. There are there are positivities to being allied with China. Well, By the way, I I I I don't know what the future of American power is. Certainly, our, our 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 neighbors in the region are taking America off the table as their major support. The Gulf states are not counting on steady American support going into the future. I would argue they're also playing. They're also got their tuchus at a few different. Uh, correct. Meetings. Israel's more doing than us. I'd say much more, than, more than us. They are less reliant on the United States. They are much more nervous that the United States is not a reliable ally. But do and you so think are, Israel needs? some ally or we can just you know screw the world it doesn't matter what it doesn't it doesn't we can be completely isolated they can bds us until the cows come home ultimately we don't we don't need them. we could become a north korea and a rogue state that is no i think you need to you i need to think you need to forge relationships that's why I, I, again i'm not worried that this is going to happen in the foreseeable future american israel will stand as firm allies but will israel pivot and adapt to whatever has to be done that's what you have to do and it's doable the idea that it's unimaginable that's what i'm arguing the idea that it's unimaginable that israel can survive without america i think is is that's the misconception the idea that it's it's a powerful ally that would be hard to replace. It would be painful, but replacing it would also have benefits, maybe unforeseen. And I don't know, again, you're, you're, there are so many variables that would have to change in America and China for a shift like that to happen, that, that you're dealing with a very different scenario that's hard to imagine. But long-term strategic analysis requires that in those sorts of hypotheticals, you say, okay, well, let's war game it. We'll figure it out, and here's here's several factors that I would use. That even if you would argue that it's a doomsday scenario that America pulls support, Israel has to plan for doomsday, and Israel has to have a, a, an active game plan to to prevent its own doom. That's that's just good strategic thinking, and I'm arguing that's doable. Okay, all right, thank you, thank you to both of you. Kalev has one concluding point he'd like to make. Yes, I, just, I, know, I just want to I just want to tell a story about uh, about two Baraks, mm. uh, Barack Obama and uh, Ehud Barak, who was then the defense minister, and, and they meet Sorry, in... can I make a joke? Was it very enlightening? 
You have to explain that joke. To, okay, because in Hebrew, the, word, the word for lightning is Barak. So when he's talking about wanting to do... Never mind, it's a dad joke. I Thank will, you, because explaining a joke always makes it funny. I will, <laughs> I will say that, that, that uh, it didn't strike twice. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> So Barack Obama and I have Barack a meeting in, in D.C. and they're discussing the Iranian nuclear uh, capacity and project. And um, President Obama says, you know, I, I can tell you that America will not let Iran go nuclear. And the Israeli defense minister says, Mr. President, it's not that I don't believe you. It's that I know that at any given moment, your responsibility is to make a decision based on what is best for the United States, and there's no guarantee that at that time the the uh, national interest of the United States will be the same as the national interest of Israel. And I and I think, I mean, this kind of touches on on both of our points. For Israel to prevent Iran going, I realise this is military, but for Israel to prevent Iran going nuclear, the United States is a huge, huge help. Mm -hmm. But when push comes to shove, we cannot rely on the fact that they will be with us and we may be, we may well be on it alone. And I think that kind of... And I, and I think that if Israel is forced to ultimately take uh, preemptive action against Iran to prevent their them having an existential threat against the state of Israel, I think we can rely on America to provide diplomatic and political backup in, in venues like the UN. And that's, again, useful. But it's not existentially useful. And so and so I think, you know, when when Balfour made his famous pro proclamation saying that uh, Great Britain supported the endeavors of the Zionists in view rebuilding, favor. view with favor. And I think there's also, what is it? Is it not view with favor the establishment of a Jewish national home in Palestine? Yeah. And and we'll do what, what oh, it's best to facilitate yeah. Yeah, that, that endeavor. Uh, Rav Cook congratulated him as as the not yet chief rabbi of the Jewish community of Palestine. He he from England, I believe. He leads. Yeah, he 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 put out a statement, not thanking Lord Balfour, but congratulating him on being at that historical moment able to be able to help the Jewish people in this next step in their renaissance, and what a privilege it was for him. And 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 I I think it, it's okay to thank. Lord Balfour. But I do think it's important as Zionists that we think like Rev Cook. In other words, we're on our way. Anybody who wants to help, we appreciate that and we congratulate you that you got to play your part in our historical rebirth. But uh, I, I think Ehud Barak said it exactly right. And I'm, I'm with him 100%. I think that's how all Israeli strategic thinkers have to talk. Okay. Well, thank you, Kalev, for introducing that story to us at the end. Yeah, it's a great one. They kind of like bookends everything that we've mm -hmm. talked about mm -hmm. uh, this afternoon. And it has the tension in it of uh, both sides. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So thank you for, for that final uh, comment there. And thank you, Mike, for your contributions this afternoon to both of you. It's been fun as always. Hope it's been interesting to the listeners. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Israel Conversation by the Massa Leadership and Impact Center. In everything we do, we hope to connect our fellows to Israel as home that our Massa Fellows will feel at home in Israel and understand more about Israel in all of its diversity. We connect our Fellows to Jewish peoplehood, to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people. The connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development 
And in the case of this podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful to.